Hey y'all, welcome back to the God-Centered Mom Podcast. I'm Heather McFadden, your host, and this is the place where we remind you through mentorship, friendship, and discipleship that you don't mom alone. In this episode number 218, I'm welcoming Susie Larson to help us remember the truth that healing is possible. Often scar tissue from our past hinders our process and our progress into the future. It just does. And we're so attached to past trauma without sorting through it. It's like, as soon as we want to move forward, we want to dream again. The enemy just, I kind of liken it to a, a big canvas that the end of your past and it's brittle and he just puts it in your pathway and you're about to go to a new place of promise and then this thing of your past is in front of you and you think I, it's too much for me and you turn back and you go another way but I just say like the football players who blast through the banner when they come onto the football field you got to press through it and, and you can't do that alone most often you need a prayer counselor a mentor someone like you or uh, you know a, a licensed counselor, a Christian counselor who can help you press through the scar tissue because there is life on the other side. And it is time for us to break through everything that's hindering us because there are, there are spaces that God wants us to occupy and it is possible for us to find healing in those places we never thought possible. Pressing through the scars to get to the places of promise. I mean, y'all, I have so much passion on this topic. Motherhood to me is just a gateway to get to the junk that's in our souls. And I think we want to talk about our kids' behaviors, and I get that it's hard to parent, but honestly, it's the storms that are revealing the lies we're holding to be true and allowing God to give us new truth and allowing God to bring us to further healing and fullness and being fully alive, like Susie wrote in her new book. So I can't wait to talk about this topic with her. Speaking of passion, back when I used to work with patients that had cochlear implants, I had one patient who was in her 40s, and she'd been deaf her entire life, and she was finally hearing, and she loved music, and she one day told me that people would try to describe it to her, but she said, they never told me it moved your soul, and it does. Music so passionately moves our soul, and that's why I love this month's sponsor, Songfinch, because not only are they moving your soul with music, They're also taking your unique memories and thoughts about a person and putting them into a -a one-of-a-kind radio-quality song made just for you. They will match you with one of their 350 different songwriters and within a week get you your song. And I think it'd be great if you were making like a video montage or photo montage for an 80th birthday party or a 50th wedding anniversary or some family event. To have that song going alongside that would be awesome. You've heard us share clips from the song we had written for our boys at Christmas, the one to remember my dad by after he'd passed. Go check them out over at songfinch.com. Use that coupon code, all caps, Mom, and because you're a God-Centered Mom listener, you'll get $20 off of that song. Go check them out, songfinch.com. All right, let's get to this amazing conversation with Susie. Here we go. Hey, Susie, welcome to the God-Centered Mom podcast. Heather, it is an honor to join you today. Thanks for having me. This is going to be such a great resource, just this conversation, but you have put together, oh my lands, something I've been waiting for for years. So thank you for taking the time to share your heart, your soul with women through your book, Fully Alive. 
Well, I'm so grateful that it spoke to you in the way it did, Heather, because of all the books I've written, I don't think I've ever dug so deep, uh, really written from such a raw place. And uh, it feels to me like the most important book to date, just because so many people really are suffering right now. Um, but I'll, you know, be honest, it's a, it's a vulnerable thing to release this thing into the atmosphere. So it means a mm-hmm. lot that, that it's ministered to you as well. And I'm sure in the weeks leading up to its launch, the enemy is going to do everything he can to kind of hunker down on you before Mm -hmm. it's before he doesn't have a say and it's out there so we will pray over you i should have started with prayer and i'm sorry i didn't but um i'm gonna pray actually right now for us dear lord i thank you for Susie. i thank you that she wrote this book i thank you for the lives it's going to touch and the people you're going to heal through it through your power and thank you for her vulnerability i pray protection over her as in the days leading up to its launch and the months following in Jesus name. Mm. Amen. Okay. So here's the deal. You and I can agree. People are broken. People are hurting and they want healing, whether they're in the church or out of the church. And so for you personally, where, when did you first recognize that brokenness? Boy, I don't remember ever not being broken, Mm. to be honest with you. I mean, that is just the truth. And uh, my backstory, quickly, just raised in a large family, a large Catholic family, um, and I knew as a child that God was real. I didn't know Jesus was accessible, and that's not a a diss in any way to the denomination I grew up in. It's just what was real for me in that present time. Uh, But two different very traumatic events happened as a child at the hands of teenage boys um, that opened up a canyon of fear and insecurity. And in the first one, um, it was in my own laundry room when uh, my brother's friends who were, my brothers were starting to hang around with some creepy guys around um, when I was about, I don't know, nine or so. And uh, I was digging for clothes in the dryer and the door shut behind me. And within moments, I was pinned to the floor. And uh, I didn't know, I didn't understand what happened as a young girl. I just, um, you know, I didn't know whose fault that was. I was just, so I didn't tell anybody. And uh, But it, what happened, well, the, it, deep inside my soul was fear and self-hatred and confusion. And about a year later, I was 10 years old, walking home from school, and I see those same wretched bikes out in front of our house. My mom wasn't home from work yet. So I just thought I would dawdle around the baseball field um, across the street from our house until my mom pulled in the driveway. And a different group of boys were hunkering down in a dugout. And I, I, they must have been high because I, in my adult mind now, I look back and their crazed look, uh, they jumped me, knocked me to the ground and, and beat me bad. And But they had a crazed look in their eye and they were laughing wildly as they kicked me in the stomach and punched me in the face and pulled Fistle's hair out of my head. And I was just a little four foot girl and uh, I was screaming and curled up in a ball. And uh, when they were done with me and they laughed as they walked away and I was totally beat up, um, I got up from that place and I, I don't, I don't, I can't tell you if it was audible, but it might as well have been. I heard the words in my ear, I can get to you anytime, anywhere, and God will never stop me. And that followed me all the way into my adulthood, Heather. And uh, so truly, I have, uh, you know, he ministers through broken people, and I'm the poster child, I would say, for that, because I've lived with so much fear, insecurity, those things. I mean, God has delivered me on quantified levels I can't even tell. I'm not insecure anymore, but but the fear thing is something I've had to deal with in layers, and he's been so faithful. I'm so grateful. First, I'm so sorry that happened, mm-hmm. and I want to acknowledge that. And having been a minister to women for a while now, you're not alone in that. And yeah. I know that um, there are gals listening that that brought up a lot for them, too. 
Yeah. And like you said, not telling anyone and that shame living in a secret place for a long time. Um, and more and more stories are coming out of even as adult women who are being misused and all of the lies that the enemy plants and seeds. So I'm so sorry. I'm sorry for whoever's listening that that's part of your story. Um, and it is interesting what voice, what monologue starts playing after that point. And the truth is that really does tie into this book. I don't even yes. know if I if I touched on what happened as a child because I did that in other books. I might have referenced it a little bit, but um, but the t- science knows now that when trauma happens, it affects your physiology. Mm. That that is a fact, and so we hold on to trauma. The enemy remembers our trauma. So even if you've pushed it away, pushed it down, overcompensated, worked around it, unless uh, you've allowed it to surface and let God meet you in that place. It is affecting you emotionally, physically, relationally, um, spiritually, physiologically. And that's part of the reason I wrote this book is that there are hindrances in our own soul to our own healing process that we don't realize. And this isn't to blame us for being sick or being beat up or weary. It's just that we don't know what we don't know. And that's why I, the Lord allows sometimes storms to come to our lives to surface the lies that we're believing so He can bring deliverance and healing. So for you, what storms were there that brought that to the surface? Well, you know, one of the other things that had happened to solidify the lie, first of all, was I was bit by the deer tick during my pregnancy and I didn't know it. And I started to have numbing neurological issues during my uh, third pregnancy. And it was a year later, so I went a year undiagnosed, that I had contracted Lyme disease. And there was the lie again. Uh, I can get to you anytime, anywhere. And God will never stop me. And uh, so I battled. I was very, very deathly sick as a young mom with three little kids and crawled through that season. And uh, it was it was a blur. It was very difficult. Uh, but again, God met me in that place. But so for the last, you know, 20 something years, I've battled to some different degree chronic health issues, but I've also worked in the fitness industry. So here I am, someone who's very health minded. I'm someone who's very serious about God's word. And I'm someone who's battled health issues. But I'm so grateful for the, the the fight that I have learned and the, the way that I've learned to transfer my weight onto his promises because they hold over these years. So, I mean, really, I really believe that's one of the reasons God's allowed me to function at the level that I have in spite of some of the health uh, issues I've dealt with. But three years ago, I suffered a massive relapse and I was devastated, absolutely devastated to be going around this mountain again. So old symptoms and new symptoms and mm-hmm. and old fears and new fears. And it really culminated one day in my bathroom where um, my face went numb, my neck went numb, my arms went numb, the room started to spin, my vision blurred, and my head, I felt like someone had put a vice on it and was cranking it so tight that my skull was going to break. Um, I can't explain to you. And then what had happened because of the inflammation in my body, it pushes pushed down the serotonin, which allows for involuntary surges of anxiety. And so I felt like I was in hell in that moment. I felt like a demonic fear had just come into my bathroom. The physiological things that were going on were absolutely crazy and so horrifying and scary. And I'm crying out to God, you've got to help me. I, you know, and the enemy's like, I finally got you. I'm going to get you this time. This time I'm taking you out. And I, I just, if you believe a lie that he can get to you anytime, anywhere, then it's just a matter of time for the next shoe to fall. You're bracing yourself for impact to some degree. And I didn't realize how true I believe that to be, even though subconsciously, you know, and, yeah. uh, and I'm crying out to God, this, this is it for me. And uh, Lord whispered through the chaos in my bathroom, 
The storms reveal the lies we believe and the truths we need. And the enemy's railing in my ear, I'm going to get you. I've got you by the throat. And it felt like because my throat was uh, starting, I couldn't swallow. And uh, my esophagus was spasming. And it's just horrifying. And I hear the whisper again. The storms reveal the lies we believe and the truths we need. And I'm like, Lord, I hear you in this chaos. What lies do I believe? And then I hear the enemy. I can get to you anytime, anywhere. And God will never stop me. And then Lord whisper back to my heart, you don't outrun lies. You don't strive your way out of lies. You turn around, you face them. This is not true. He cannot get to you anytime, anywhere. I have him on a short leash. He does feel, feels like he's got you by the throat right now, but soon your foot will be on his neck because the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. So you, I'm not going to let you lose, but I have to let you fight. And Heather, that began a D-Day battle like I cannot even describe to you. And in these uh, last three years, I, I have learned something of the Lord that I did not know before, but I have also learned something of my soul. I mean, I I was doing the right things. I'm a disciplined woman, you know what yeah. I mean? I was praying yeah. the scriptures. I was yeah. enlisting prayer warriors. But what I did not know was there were lies embedded in my soul that were actually keeping me from the, the healing process. And I have such a passion. As you said, I don't remember if you said it before the broadcast or you said it when we started, but there are countless women who are just mm-hmm. suffering, who are beat up by life. They might be dealing with rogue anxiety or crazy symptoms, irrational fears, or all of the above. And I have a counselor friend I was having lunch with. She says, we and my colleagues, she says, have women coming in in unprecedented number, numbers with these issues, with anxiety, fears, physiological issues. And she says, what we have learned is that because we're such multitaskers, especially as moms, that we really don't take time to sort through our hurts and our mm-hmm. losses and our disappointments. So we do these workarounds. But the thing is, she says, those things have to go somewhere if you're not dealing with them. So they push out into your physiology to get your attention another way. But she said, what's amazing is for the women who are coming in and giving their souls space to breathe, giving themselves some time to go, you know, that hurt when that happened, or that was a loss for me. And Lord, what do you have to say about that? And to get with God and untangle some of those things and find God's heart for them and his healing for them. She says, when they start to deal with the hurts and the losses, for many of these women, the physiological symptoms just actually disappear. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, I'm just so passionate to see women set free. I believe we're coming into a day that we that we need to contend for this freedom because we're coming into a day of a great storm, I believe. And a lost world is going to need our influence. And up to this point, the enemy has kept us so stuck physically, emotionally, that we live much of our lives living in reaction to our stuff. We barely have a bandwidth for anybody else. But can you imagine if we start to get healed, get whole, that we can minister to a world in need and say, you know what, God's promises are true. And let me tell you what he did for me. Um, That is such a great passion in my heart. And I believe we're coming into a day where it's going to be very necessary. Yes, Susie. (laughs) Come on. I mean, you, okay. So everyone listening has heard me a little bit reference here and there parts of my journey. And last December, I shared a little bit about what God's taught me about body, soul, spirit. And so, oh, you are saying everything. You are saying everything that I, I want and I resonate with all that you're saying. So, yes, this is exactly true. The church, even in my little group of friends that read the Bible consistently, go to church regularly, pray, and are so stuck in past wounds and hurts and are just now finding freedom in the last three years, just like you're saying, that is changing their physiology in some 
baggage that's showing up and things that are happening and, and recognizing, wow, okay, let's stop with the symptoms, reading one more study on anxiety, reading one more study on jealousy or anger and recognize that maybe something was placed in our soul a long time ago and has been not dealt with for decades. And Jesus has offered a healing that we are not taking his word on. And so it's time. It's time. It's the reckoning is happening because we need to be set free as women warriors, as people who take God at his word and who are filled fully with his power and his authority to do his work. So yes. And since I can't meet with the (laughs) thousands of women that are listening, now I can refer them to your book because it's a discipleship. I feel like it's, let's say I pray with someone who's had, um, abuse in their past. And God has done a supernatural work in that moment of prayer. But then I, I want to continue to walk with them. So when the lie resurfaces, cause it's so hardwired in their brain, I can't immediately give them that truth. They have to choose the truth. Your book walks them through with chapter by chapter, different lies they might be believing. And then so deeply helps them sort through via prayer where God is and all that. So for you, you said three years ago and with this event in the bathroom, how did you get a lot of the information you share in the book? Was there a person? Was there a mentor? Who guided you to find this wholeness and healing that you write about? Boy, that's a fantastic question. And as you're, as you're kind of responding back, I am just fighting. I've got a lump in my throat just because um, to pause and kind of look at what's happened in the last three years kind of overwhelms me. You know mm. what, what God has done. I'm, you know, I'm I'm just amazed at His faithfulness. So, um, mm. you know, I, I am a feisty girl. I'll tell you. And <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's I get good. the sense you might be as well. Well, but <laughs> I don't. I think that was a lie. Actually, one one of the lies I've had to overcome is a lie oh, really? of weakness. Actually, oh wow. So I'm kind no. of coming into that. But yes, you, thank you've you. Got some fight in you. Like okay, all right, good, anyway. awesome. Get out, get out of here, enemy. Come on. <laughs> but um, as a radio host. They gave me great freedom to interview the people that I was passionate about because the best radio interviews are, as you say, when you interview someone on a topic you're passionate about, those are the best interviews. So I started to interview brain uh, experts, you know, and doctors and, um, and I just read voraciously and, um, and I sought out scripture and I've got some prayer mentors. I said, speak into my life. And, Mm. you know, I, I was all in and I really had to get rid of some things in my life that weren't sin in themselves. They weren't sin at all. They were just distractions for me, you know, I mean, because I was so uh, sick, it was like my just fun indulgences of, of sweet treats or my Christian suspense novels. I love those things, but they would stir up fear in me at a time when God was unearthing fear. It's hard to explain, but it was like I had to narrow down, you know, my disciplines to such a degree because this was all out war and the enemy was fighting so dirty. And I'm, I just... I was all in and I had my prayer warriors praying for me, but I just grabbed it by, I just grabbed the Lord with everything in me. And I just said, I'm not letting go until you bless me. I'm not letting go until you tell me what's true here. And you know, it was so interesting. And you read this in the book. There was a point where he kept bringing me back 
to the passage in the Gospels where there was a man who'd been sick, I think, for 38 years on his mat. And the Lord asked the question, do you want to get well? Mm. And I, I was, it actually hurt my feelings that the Lord kept bringing me back in my prayer time because I'm just battered and beat up by this sickness. And yet I, and my doctor even said, I've never seen anybody with more fierce fight and them than you. He says, you do everything we tell you to do. He's like, I can tell you want this. And so for the Lord to keep bringing me back to the question, do you want to get well? I'm like, Lord, I eat well. I eat really clean, actually. I go to bed at the same time every night. I drink 70 ounces of water a day. When I can, I exercise. When I have the strength to do that, I fast, I pray, I I, I march around my house and declare that God's promises are true. I'm like, what, what do you mean, do I want to be well? And it would just be silent. And so I decided he is God and I'm not. So obviously I need to ask a better question. So I said, Lord, obviously you're pointing me in this direction for a reason. What am I missing? What are the hindrances to my own healing process? What am I missing? And over the next few weeks, he started to show me because the, the man on the mat, when Jesus says, do you want to get well? His first three words were, I can't, sir. And there are I can'ts in our own souls that we're not even aware of. And for me, I think it was probably two weeks later, I was backstage getting ready to step out to go speak, and I was having a surge of inflammation. So my arms and face were numb. My head felt like it was going to crack open with the pressure in it, vision blurred, dizziness, so weak. All I could think about was my bed, if I could just get to my bed. But I had a job to do. I'm ready to, I'm just going to get the focus on, getting ready to step up. And right before I stepped out, uh, the host pulled me aside and she said, oh, um, be sure that you tell them that you struggle with health. Otherwise, they're just going to hate you when they get a look at you. And she was saying it in jest. But I paused, and it was a light bulb moment, Heather, because I have heard that same thing a thousand times. Mm. Women who've said, I would hate you if you didn't struggle so. And, you know, in my early years as a young mom and wife, in those early years, is you know, this is just true, so I may offend a few people, but those when you're a young mom and wife, gossip, pettiness is rampant as much among Christians as it is among yeah. them. Yeah. It ought not yeah. be. I mean, we've got to yeah. be better than that. But in yeah. that place, I was just ravaged by some friends who turned on me and were just spreading gossips or lies about me. And it was so excruciating because some of what they were saying about me, I believe to be true because I still had a huge spirit of rejection in me. And I actually write about the fruit of that time in my book, Uncommon Woman. But if anybody's ever been through that kind of betrayal, you know, it is devastating. Mm -hmm. So when all these years later, when different women would say that kind of jokingly, it went into my soul, and I didn't really know what to do with it. So I guess I pushed it down deeper and never really reconciled it with the truth, never dealt with it. And, and this is just what's true is things get said to us that we don't ruthlessly filter and deal with. So we don't know where to put them, so we put them down in the soul. And right as I'm about to step out to speak, the Lord whispered to my heart, can you deal with it if I heal you? Can you deal with gossipy women if they judge you, mm. if they think this about you, If because it'll look like you have— more than they do. Can you deal with it? And by the way, not all women are that petty. And the ones who are, they need healing too. Can you trust me with your reputation? And it caught in me, like it hitched in me. I don't know if you know what I mean, where yeah, I, I was yeah. sort of stopped in my tracks and I had more fear than faith. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is a thing. And I just bowed in my heart and said, yes, Lord, that scares me so much, but I trust you with my reputation because I believe you have more for me to do. About two weeks later, you know, I pray every single day for slaves and human traffic victims. And I was asking God, bring your fist down on this wicked enterprise. Bring your fist down on these people, these purveyors of such trauma on these dear souls. And interceding and passed through my mind this phrase, blessing guilt. And I'm like, what? Blessing guilt. And the Lord whispered to my heart again, can you deal with it if I heal you while millions still suffer? And I said, no, absolutely not. 
And there was another, I can't. And yet I know in my head and know in my theology that what the Lord does for one doesn't diminish his capacity to do for another. And he whispered to my heart, can you trust that I'm working out my ways in everybody's lives? Can you trust me with your freedom while many are held in captivity? And I thought I was going to throw up. I mean, I really realized I had a no in my soul. But I went face down and I just said, oh God, I, I want so much to be free. And I want to be someone who helps other women be set free as well. Have your way in me. This scares me so much, but have your way. Mm -hmm. And so over the next few weeks, there were just a number of things like that that just shocked me. And so I was doing a lot of the right things, spiritual disciplines, physical disciplines, but in my core, I wasn't believing the right things. Mm -hmm. Now, there are people who, like my son, who was walking through some chronic fatigue, and he said, Mom, he said, I realized I tried to put a smile on my face and just endure this fatigue as if it was noble. But he said, it was not sustainable. He said, it's like I had this passive optimism, like just sort of hoping it would get better without doing anything to make it better. And he said, it wasn't until I hated my situation enough that I was able to get up and finally look at my diet and look at some of my lifestyle choices. And then I started to feel better. So my, my, my just uh, charge to you is maybe you're the guy on the mat. And, and there's a phrase counselors call it learned helplessness, where you just get so identified with your situation that you've learned to be helpless about it. You learn it. It's not something because we're not helpless in Christ Jesus. But that is just something we have to unlearn if we've suffered, suffered in the valley too long. Or maybe like my son, you want the right things but you've not done the right things. And I'm talking in whatever area God's asked of you. I mean, let's just take physical, for example. God's not obligated to make us healthy if we keep trashing our health. He's just not. And so maybe you want the right things, but you've not been doing the right things. I guess the prayer in that case would be, Lord, I want to help me. Help me want to, you know? And in my situation, I was doing the right things, but I didn't believe the right things. And so the, the challenge is, Lord, is there anything embedded in my soul that's a hindrance to my own healing? Show me what it is so I can cooperate with you. That's a mouthful, but I feel like that's a major revelation. It was for me, anyway. I hope you have been encouraged by Susie's testimony to this point. There's so much more still ahead, but I want to jump in here. If you're someone that um, the physical is holding you back from getting to the soul level, or you just are body image and healthy eating is something on your mind a lot. I just want to help free you. I want to help give you a tool to let that not be something that occupies your brain space and something that's been helping our family, at least at dinner time, and you can make it help you with breakfast and some lunch and some desserts even is prepdish.com. So they send me a meal plan and I choose the paleo option and it's a lot of just whole foods that we're eating vegetables and meats and and not a lot of you can even have a gluten-free option if you want and they send me the grocery list and the prep and how to do it and how to put it all together so I'm feeding my family healthier than if I just was winging it uh, this week we normally on Friday nights order pizza we'd gone out to eat Thursday night because my son's football team was celebrating his coach's baby shower anyway instead I had my prep dish stuff to make salmon with zucchini and in these little parchment pockets. And it was super easy, super quick, and a lot healthier. And all my boys loved it. My husband loved it. So if you want to check them out, go to prepdish.com forward slash GCM. And you can get two weeks for free. You can try it out and see if it frees you just a little bit when it comes to healthy eating as a family. All right. There is so much goodness left. I want to get back to it. Here we go. And I know with women I've interacted with, they maybe are in denial for a while. 
So in denial until something physical like for you happens or uh, emotional with anxiety, depression, anger, all those red flags. When when their body starts saying, hey, notice me, (laughs) or relationships are breaking down. If there's a long stream of broken relationships, that's another red flag. Something's going on. But then they might say, okay, I'm doing all the right things, like you said, disciplines. What, what am I missing? So they're, they're, okay, I know something's wrong. I think I'm doing the right thing, same as you. I think I'm doing the right thing, but obviously I'm not. Like the man on the mat, there's something inhibiting my healing. And then there's that barrier, like you mentioned in the book, of the exact lie is keeping us from the source of what will heal us. So I've had, before I pray with women, them call or text and say, you know, I, I don't know if I'm going to come because I just don't think it's going to work for me. Hmm. And I'm like, every time, every time. And I think, you know what? I'm going to call that out. That's the enemy. And he does not want this to happen. And so over and over, he's going to convince you that that healing isn't available. But we can look to God's word who says it is. And his goal is freedom. So and restoration and redemption. So anything that's against that is not of God and we can reject it. And like you're saying, you have to come to that point where you're recognizing that unbelief in your soul level. And I think for some people, this is hard if they've never called out soul versus mind. Um, Because for me, that was my mind would say in regards to my recent grief of losing my father, my mind would say, oh, I believe God and is right in everything he does and he's sovereign and suffering is a part of this world. That would be my Jesus mind. But my soul, when I finally um, allowed God's voice to resonate with it, <laughs> my soul was saying, you got it wrong, which was bitterness. And until I could allow God to shine a light on that, or like in your case, shine a light on, I'm not really wanting healing because I'm afraid of rejection or I'm not really wanting healing because there are so many people suffering and worse than me. Recognizing and allowing God to shine a light on the actual root thing is so key. And your one chapter about the woman with infertility was, I know it's one example with one woman with infertility and I know people listening, it's such a touchy, hard topic but I feel like it gave a visual for what happens at the soul level. Mm-hmm. Do you mind kind of sharing a little bit of her story? Because again, it's not the cure all be all for all infertility. It's just in her instance, it was very revealing to what actually happens that inhibits our wholeness. Absolutely. And I so agree with you, Heather. And it's, it is so hard when we have soul uh, core beliefs that we don't know are there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, like you said, there is a, a disconnect so often with what's in our mind and with what's in our soul. We don't even know that, but the enemy knows that. And that's just why it's so key to dare to ask God, bring things up in me. And that's why I just, before I tell that story, the storms reveal the lies we believe and the truths we need. We don't have to fear the storm because it's the very place yeah. to look around to go, what's shaking, what's not? What's a quote unquote small T truth that I've been holding onto that's not actually the truth? I, I just charge you in the name of Jesus, if you're listening today and in a storm, don't fear the storm. Look around for what's shaking and what's not. But this dear friend of mine battled infertility. And if you've been there, you know how painful it is to watch everybody with their babies 
strollers, baby showers and all of that. And she was there. She also had sexual trauma in her childhood from at the hands of a family member. And some family members believed her. Some did not believe her. And so here we are in her adult years. And she tried a number of tests uh, for to help with getting pregnant. And the last test ahead was in vitro fertilization. And there was a test prior to that to see if she was a candidate for it. And they basically told her, if this particular test fails, then you're not a candidate and this is the end of the road for you. You'll have to consider adoption or other things. And the going towards that test, the very thought of it, was stirring up so much fear in her that she was like, I'm not quite ready to face this. So she went back to counseling. Now, mind you, she'd been to counseling in past years to sort through her trauma from as childhood, her childhood trauma, but this was triggering her on so many levels. So she dug deeper and started to really look at, at the core level of her fears. And some of it was really attached to her childhood trauma. And then just the, the potential fear of, of loss that she's not going to get what she so longs for. She sorted that through. She came to a place of peace, of, of just trust in the goodness of God. And she thought, you know, ready or not, I, I'm ready to go do this test. Well, the day came and uh, the doctor was putting the scope inside to be I hope this isn't too graphic. But the, <laughs> it's yeah, a mom's this, podcast, right? Yeah, yeah. We, so we can handle all, this. All right. We've all done all the things. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Okay. Well, the scope was going in and she bumped into a wall of scar tissue. And the doctor told my friend, uh, there's all kinds of scar t- tissue here, which first of all affirms that you were indeed sexually abused as a child. So that just affirmed as this little mm-hmm. girl in her, mm-hmm. you know, telling the truth. And she said, you know what? She said, I'm going to try to break through. She said, are you ready for this? She said, just brace yourself. And she pressed and pressed and broke through that scar tissue, this wall of brittle scar tissue, and took the scalpel to it. On the other side of the scar tissue was a perfect, viable uterus, perfect. Mm -hmm. And she said, I think we've found the reason you could not get pregnant. In fact, I think you're going to be back here in four weeks to tell me that you are pregnant. And that's exactly what happened. And, uh, you know, I use that just even, it's a, an analogy for how often scar tissue from our past hinders our process and our progress into the future. It just does. And we're so attached to past trauma without sorting through it. Um, that it's like, well, as soon as we want to move forward, we want to dream again. The enemy just, I kind of liken it to a, a big canvas that the end of your past and it's brittle and he just puts it in your pathway and you're about to go to a new place of promise. And then this thing of your past is in front of you and you think I, it's too much for me. And you turn back and you go another way. But I just say like the football players who blast through the banner when they come onto the football field, you got to press through it. And, and you can't do that alone. Most often you need a prayer counselor, a mentor, someone like you, or, uh, you know, a, a licensed counselor, a Christian counselor who can help you press through the scar tissue because there is life on the other side. And it is time for us to break through everything that's hindering us because there are, there are spaces that God wants us to occupy and it is possible for us to find healing in those places we never thought possible. Mm. Yes. Yes. And so many are like, well, my, you don't know my story. My, my story, it's, it's so much worse or I've done, it's not something done to me, but I've made so many wrong choices. And do you, can you just address the concept that wholeness and healing? And when we say healing, it may not be on this side of this world. You may have a chronic sickness until Jesus comes back. I don't know, but that the longing of God's heart is wholeness and healing for every person. Yeah. I mean, if you look at how Jesus was when you follow him through the Gospels, 
he addressed the human condition everywhere he went. He he addressed the human condition. He cared so deeply. You know, John 10, 10 says, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus says, I come that you have life and life to the fullest, you know? And I think it was John who said, I pray that your soul prospers as your health prospers. And uh, I mentioned this on a, on a Facebook session I did the other night that, uh, and I don't know if this connection even fits, but I feel like it does. But, uh, you know, there's a, a mental illness called Munchausen by proxy. And it's when a mother continually uh, makes her child sick so that she can be the savior and save the child and to mm-hmm. get attention. So so that she's always in the doctors and people are always feeling so sorry for her, but she becomes like the savior of the child. But it's a devastating mental illness. And uh, I feel like there are times people put that kind of um, mindset on God as if uh, and say, he made me sick um, to get my attention. But there's no evidence of Jesus ever making someone sick to get their attention. Now, he did say to the man on the mat, quit sinning or something worse may happen to you, but he didn't make him sick. So obviously, the man had been making some kind of choices that were connected to his suffering, and sometimes that's the case. There's consequences to our choices, but there's no evidence that Jesus ever made anybody sick. He went, and he came, and he healed, and he restored, and he did guide and provide and confront and redirect. He never went light on sin, but he was also full of love for the sinner. And uh, I, I just... I think there's a strong biblical case that he wants us whole, body, mind, and soul. And I, you know, and I, I establish this in the book as well because I struggle with a the theology that says if you're not healed, it's because you lack faith. And right. I just think that right. thirty thousand foot view of, I think it's cruel. For me, it was not only not helpful; it was absolutely hurtful. Yeah. And and when people say that kind of thing, to me, it feels like they're absolving themselves from any kind of personal responsibility of entering into your pain. But Jesus modeled, he entered into a suffering that wasn't his own, and he calls us to do the same for each other. So to toss somebody a formula to say, you know, this would be happening to you if you had more faith is wrong, and it doesn't represent God's heart. That said, I do believe we would still see more miracles on the earth today if there were more faith. But it's not something you put on someone as an obligation. It's something that you pray into them as an invitation, that the Father would help them look up and trust Him more, that He would increase all of our capacity to trust Him more. So my own son had a medical miracle, a miraculous healing of a severe back injury, medical miracle. One moment he could barely walk, the next minute he was sprinting with the football team. No explanation except that God healed him. My process has been completely different, but God has used the process to really unearth the stuff that I've needed to look at in my soul. All of that to say, um, He wants to restore our souls, every single one of us. I don't get why some godly people get sick and die, and I, I know personally very godly people who fasted, prayed, asked God for healing. They still died. They weren't lacking faith. And uh, when I hear people say that, I just wholeheartedly disagree with them. I know these people. They weren't lacking faith. They graduated to heaven. I don't get it. I don't get, I mean, my friend Jennifer Rothschild, she's a blind author speaker. She doesn't get the sense that she's going to have sight on this side of heaven. And she has a grace on her life and a power on her life that's amazing. I don't understand the mysteries of God. I just know that faith pleases Him, so I'm going to err on the side of faith with every breath that I have, and then I'll leave the outcome in His hands. And it's it's that shaming of a culture, and I think even maybe— the one before this generation where if, if you said you had anxiety or depression or yeah. fear, it was that belief. And so then it just makes you go inward more instead of pursuing Jesus and healing and health. 
uh, and the church because anyone <laughs> anyone who's broken, where do you need to go? Jesus said, I came for the sick. And uh, so if, if we as a church can communicate that message that there is a core brokenness in all of us, sin or uh, wound otherwise, then we can invite and include and say, Jesus promised us this. Don't hide in shame. Let's not believe this lie that I'm too far gone or it's not for me. Let's allow him to do the miracle that he wants to do and allow him to do the work that he wants to do and leave that in his hands, but come in full faith, Amen. believing and, that he can. And not to, to think that you are a substandard Christian if you deal with anxiety. That is exactly. so, so wrong. I mean, you're right. That stigma has was alive and well in the last two decades. I don't know that it is anymore. And if, if you're getting that from somebody, I mean, I think you need to maybe keep your distance <laughs> until you, until God meets you in this place because it doesn't represent his heart yeah. at all. And uh, everybody has their struggle. Every single person needs new mercies every morning. And I think anxiety is a, is torture for the soul. And, and you need community. The temptation would be to isolate, but you need people with you to, to carry the burden with you. And I, you know, there's are times and places because of genetic predisposition where some people need medicine. Uh, that said, I also think that the, the medical world overwrites prescriptions on every level. I feel like that's one of my passions is to say, can we get to the why behind the what rather than pop a pill every single time? You know, because there actually are insurance companies with whole departments of full-time staffers to call their their people because people are on so many combined meds that they're finding that their symptoms and sickness are from the combination of meds and no longer from the sickness they once tried to treat all these years ago. So I'm just saying, you know, if we truly could be people to say, what's the why behind the what? You know, because there are some who need medicine for anxiety. I have a family member who had a genetic predisposition to anxiety, but she was way over medicated. And uh, she saw a functional med doctor. He's one of the doctors I dedicate the book to. And he said, yes, you do have a genetic predisposition. You probably need this med. All these others, I don't think you need it because he said, I've you know, tested you. And he says, you have food allergies. And when you're eating corn and gluten, it does something where I don't fully understand it, but he says it disengages the, the mu- use of your quad muscles. So when your body, when you're using your quad muscles, your adrenal glands are surging to compensate for the disengagement of your muscles because of the food thing. And it feels exactly like an anxiety attack when mm-hmm. the adrenals surge. So he said, if you get gluten and corn out of your diet and your body starts to regulate, I'll bet you'll be able to get off these other three meds. Exactly what happened. She is joyful. She's happy. She doesn't feel over-medicated. She feels free. And that's my point, as I'm saying, that uh, there are times when God has an answer that's actually easier for you, better for you, and won't make you feel so numbed out on too much medicine, you know? Yeah. yeah. No. And you you said at the beginning of this interview that fear has been a thing and continues yeah. to be a thing. Um, after you kind of identified some of the beliefs that were holding you back from healing, how did you work through that fear and anxiety, especially with a public role and radio and speaking, it's hard to walk through that publicly, I think. Mm. Yeah. So what, what helped you? Oh, well, I've had a couple of brain experts on the show, as I mentioned. Dr. Timothy Jennings was one of them. Dr. Kurt Thompson was another and several others. And and then my Dr. Troy, who I have on once a month, um, who's just brilliant as well. What I learned from all of them is that our brains have two motivational fuels, fear and love. Isn't that amazing? Science has learned this 
And scripture says there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. So we run on two motivational fuels in our brain. And if we are in fear, it's impossible to heal. If we're in fear, our cells go into fight flight, which means they self-cover, self-protect. So even though I was like drinking all that water, eating really well, when they tested me, I was three liters short of fluid in my body. I was really dehydrated because my cells weren't absorbing the water because I was in fight flight because I was in fear. Another thing that happens when you're in fear is it opens the door and you're your body to a cascade of inflammation. And what I'm dealing with is an inflammatory response. That's one of the, my issue is chronic inflammatory response syndrome. So I, I could not afford that. I can't afford fear because of what it was, you know, it was causing such neurological fireworks in my body. And that was the motivator for me, Heather. I'm like, I can't afford to be afraid. And the Bible says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And that's easier said than done for someone who battles fear. And my, one of my great fears when the symptoms were surging before we knew why my symptoms were so bad, was uh, that I was facing another debilitating disease, worse than the first one. That was horrifying to me, so, so scary. And uh, But what the Lord showed me is you can't afford fear if you want to get well. And so I decided to practice a zero-tolerance policy on fear. And I and right in the face, in the midst of just unbelievable scary symptoms, I just shut the door. I Like in my brain, because if, I, if I'm opening a door to a cascade of inflammation, I picture myself shutting the door, locking it, painting on the seam, pushing a dresser in front of it, and putting a pot of flowers on it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm barricading this thing. And I'm just going to turn my back on fear, even though I have legitimate reason to have fear. And then it's not enough to put fear out. I had to bring truth in and just said, Lord... I'm terrified of facing another debilitating illness. Neurological things are so scary. But if I have to face another thing, I'm going to face it with the Prince of Peace and not the spirit of fear. So I'm determined to trust you. I'm surrendering to you. And I did it a thousand times a day. Mm-hmm. But what I learned about our brains is that when you go down a path again and again, your brain is so brilliant at making your most consistent choices easier even if they're not good choices. So if you're going down fear's pathway, your brain, it's basically like it'll pave a four-lane highway, becomes a superhighway. So anytime you're triggered, bam, your brain will go there so fast. And the more you do that, the more triggerable you can be. Well, I knew that, that I, I, my brain has this neuroplasticity to it, as yours does. I can train it to go a different route. I can't afford fear. So I put a road close sign on that superhighway of fear, and I blazed a new trail. Every time symptoms flared, I thought, Lord, you're good. Your promises are true. You always make a way for me. And like I said, I practiced it a thousand times a day because my body was all over the place. But what happened over time, I don't know, it was weeks later, almost a month later, I realized my instinctive reactions became that of faith. And that and, and the fear around symptoms is gone. And, and this is what happens physiologically, is you're retraining and, and retaking a new pathway, then your body starts to respond to that new pathway. If you neglect an old pathway long enough, your brain deletes it. Isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. Your brain's like, huh, we don't need that anymore. It deletes that pathway, and this is the new superhighway. And so now, when I get triggered, my thoughts instantly go to faith in the goodness of God. And, and, and for me, it helps just because of the way my brain works. It's like I knew that spiritually. I knew that biblically. But to understand the physiological cost of fear on my body was what I needed to go. I can retrain my brain. I can retrain my thought process. I'm going to renew my mind. And the truth is, it's transformed my life. Mm. Yes. Yes. I did something similar with Dr. Carolyn Leaf. Have you heard yeah. of her? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she has some brain rewiring stuff. And I think it is it is like it's that science and Bible combined that says yes and yes. This is true because it's confirmed. Science is just showing us 
what the Bible has already said to be true. And I love that you're, that you admitted that it was a thousand times a day. And for, if you're listening and you're like, I need that, I would also even suggest telling someone when it starts to become a burdensome lie and you're struggling to rewire to send that text, like with a one word truth or whatever your code word is with that friend. And that they can give you that phrase if you're struggling to pull it up for yourself because that rewiring process is so valuable, but it's hard to do in isolation. So doing that in community is really helpful too. Uh, Okay. One last thing I want to talk about before we have to sadly stop. I could literally talk to you for days because (laughs) so much in this book was amazing. Um, We talked, you talked about, you know, this treating the symptoms and numbing ourselves. And so we're not even seeing the red flags that let us know that there's a lie in our soul or or an unbelief. And um, I know for myself with grief, like just all the tasks that had to be done in motherhood and taking care of my own mom who was sick and um, other things, that space to grieve was hard to find and to make. And God was so gracious to give me those periods of time. But I, you mentioned that there is an integral, there's a value and an integral role of rest in this healing process. Talk to us about how you saw that for yourself. How did you find rest in the midst of, I'm sure, a busy speaking schedule and children that you were, you know, they may have been out of the house, but they still are your children. So how did you make time for rest to heal? Wow. That's a really great question. Well, um, at the sickest point, I mean, this is, and what happens is I I had so much, um, loss in my soul prior to this sickness happening. I, um, there was a number of things I write about at the end of my book, Your Powerful Prayers, but there was a series of, of family losses that were so traumatic. And I had a book to write. I had 10 interviews a week to do in my two-hour day radio show. And so I was pressing through, pressing through. And then the health crisis came. And my symptoms were so bad that I actually had to go on a medical leave um, for about five, six weeks. Um, and that's what will happen. And I, and I didn't really realize I was ignoring those things. I was just like, I they're killing me. They're breaking my heart, but I have a job to do. Right. right. And, right. uh, it's and America. That, it's America. Yeah. Just keep going, <laughs> yes, keep yeah. achieving. Yes. And, uh, and that, that's what happened is I had to go on a medical leave and then I came back and I still wasn't, uh, as well as I could be, but I knew that other things had to go because my doctor, Dr. Troy has said, you've got more will and fortitude than almost anybody I know, but he <laughs> says, your fortitude is stronger than your physical health. So instead of listening to your mental drive, you've got to listen to your body. And I had to start saying no to a lot, a lot of things. I actually had to back out of a lot of things. And and I went to counseling. I went back to counseling. I hadn't been so in years, but I just, it was the trauma that was coming up for me. I couldn't process alone. And uh, I only probably went for three, four, five sessions, but it was uh, a treasure just because she helped me start to see the losses that needed some time and space to sort through. So God will provide a way. If he's bringing it up in you, he will provide time around you to sort it through. But you've got to cooperate with him and say, yes, Lord, here I come. He says, come away with me. You say, here I come. I'm coming. (laughs) He will provide that for you. Do you have a regular weekly routine of rest now? Yes, I absolutely do. But actually every morning, um, and I only say this because I'm an empty nester, (laughs) but but I made time when my kids were little. I I just always said, unless you're hemorrhaging, mommy needs time with Jesus. (laughs) I don't 
if, it's a good I'm policy. Gonna... No, I, I agree, a hundred percent. If you but want just, mommy I... to not hurt you today, this exactly. is what I need. Yes, yeah. I, I guarded that, and I always looked at it as a tithe at the time when I was a young mom. I just lord, and I battled Lyme disease. I had no short-term memory. I, I was crawling, but I'm like, I know you want time with me. I want time with you. You said if 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 I'm praying something according to your will, I know I'll have it. I know it's your will, so I know I'll have it. So I'm taking ten minutes, taking fifteen back then, and I'm trusting you're going to multiply it. And right in the midst of sickness and three little boys, he gave me 45 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour. It was like parting the Red Sea, but he did it because I was tenacious about it going, I want this, you want this. And I feel like all those years ago of guarding, guarding, guarding that time and not letting anything getting in the way, and I say this humbly and so gratefully, um, but I I enjoy about two and a half hours with the Lord every single morning. And uh, it is the most treasured time in my life. And then part of that, my hubby and I come together and we pray for our kids by name, for the nations, uh, for all the things he puts on our heart. And then the lights, you know, we, we screens off at about nine and we meet back together at night and we pray again. And uh, yeah, I've got a great rhythm of rest and work and I'm not ever retreating from that place for sure. Mm, I love that. Thank you for sharing that because um, like you said, God wants it for you and you desire it. He will make a way. And what a better I don't know if we're going to talk about all the different ways we want to influence our kids, <laughs> you know, they're going to catch more than they're going to learn from just us talking about Jesus. So seeing you making that a priority, um, making, making that space, I think is a great testimony of faith and, and trust in the midst of when you were physically ill and, and little kids. So thank you. Thank you for sharing all that. And I will put links to your book. I already had a gal text me while we're talking that I'm going to give her a copy of your book because <laughs> um, I was so excited when I read the version I had. And so anyway, I, I can't, it's one of those where I'm like, oh, I can think of about 10 people in my life that I know are going to love this. And it's a slow process read. It's a 10 week journey. And I know women are longing for it. So thank you again. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. So welcome. And there's a companion DVD for those who are interested oh. in te- teaching sessions in case anybody wants to do it as a group study. Um, that's there too. That's exciting. Awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Susie, for coming on today and for just sharing in your passion right now and just what God's doing because it's amazing. Amazing. Thank you. So good to meet you, Heather. Hope to meet you face to face someday. Yes, that'd be awesome. All right. Okay. Thanks. God bless you, honey. Thanks. All right. Anybody else have all the praise hands? Just me over here. (laughs) Oh, you know, when God does something in your own life and then you hear from someone you've never met before and he's doing similar things and you're thinking, yes, then this just emboldens my faith. This is from God. He is on the move. (sighs) I love it. Uh, Okay, y'all. So. You may not even get this far in the episode. That's fine. But if you are still listening, I want to let you know that on October 1st, the Monday after our live event that's happening here in Dallas, we're having that live event September 28th and 29th with Jim and Lynn Jackson. I'm spending a lot of time working on that. And then I'm also spending a lot of time working on October 1st, launching the new site. And okay, we're just we're just, I'm needing all the prayers, just all the prayers that this is a seamless transition because with the new site just comes a lot more accessibility to resources for me to share with y'all and ability to connect as community. 
Um, it's just going to allow for a lot of things I've been wanting to do for years. And this new brand is just a piece of that. But to appease you, it'll be over at don'tmomalone.com. If all things happen well, you'll still be following me on Instagram and Facebook. I'm just going to change the names so you'll it'll pop up in your feed and it'll look a little different, but it's still me. And all of the old podcast episodes will still be over there. We've already moved them, so you're not going to lose anything. The key is that you see that logo and know it's me, that you see my face and you know it's me. And... And that's it. That's all that's changing is a little bit of a look. Imagine you move across town or even to a new state. It's still all your stuff is comes with you. It's just in a new house, a new space, and it's still me. You're still getting me. You're still getting the goodness. You're still getting God in your life. You're still going to be a God-centered mom. It doesn't change that. Um, it's just we're going to change out the curtains. We're going to Um, Put some fresh paint on and make it a lot easier, a lot less cluttered so you can find the things that are going to help you instead of it just being um, a jumbled mess of content. So I'm excited for that. We will be um, launching some new things. uh, And the first episode under Don't Mom Alone is with amazing Elise Fitzpatrick who has written so many books. One that influenced me when I was a new mom is Give Them Grace. It was the first book I read that pointed me to that as an option. And she shares vulnerably about her blended family, about her coming to grips with grace for herself as a mom. And we talk about idols of the heart and what um, motherhood kind of reveals. Again, it goes really in line with what Susie just shared. And I just always love older women coming on the show, mentoring us. You know, that's a big passion of mine. And it continues. It continues. All right, y'all. Stay tuned. Thank you for being so loyal. Such huge help. Um, I'm sure in those weeks, it would be awesome if you share <laughs> that new brand so people can still find me and know that it's still me. All right. Here we go. Let's do this. Thank you, Lord, that you are for our wholeness and desire us to be fully alive. Have a great week. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God-Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.